0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 1. Greetings, America. Welcome. I hope you're doing well today. It's finally jacket weather around here. Nice and cool, just in time for trick-or-treating tonight. I'll have you know at my house, we have full-size candy bars. Not because I wanted to spend the money, but because I forgot to buy candy until all the the bags with the minis were sold out. So we got the full-size bars, which is fine. I can give them to my kid's school, and they can sell the excess at concessions if there is excess. The phone number here, if you want to be on the program, 877 973 Good Lord, 877 You can also text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Follow me around social media. In fact, I just want to tell you, I've got a book coming out, um, You Will Be As Gods, the Rise of the, the Woke Gnostic Left and uh, Their New Religion, uh, if you want to pre-order it, text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. It's not available for pre-order yet, but if you text ERIC to 33777, when it is, I'll send you the link back. I'll text you the link when it's available, um, and and you'll be able to order my new book. It'll come out at the beginning of the year, and it just explains that what we're seeing on the left is actually the rise of a very old Gnostic religion. It's it's nothing new. It's something very old, and if you understand that, you'll know how to confront it. Uh, we'll get there. Now, uh, I actually want to begin the show today without talking about Hamas, Israel, the, the spending crisis in Washington, Ron DeSantis versus Nikki Haley. I want to talk about something else. Let's talk about carjackings. Because around the country, there is a rise of carjackings in progressive enclaves. And even people like the Washington Post editorial board are beginning to fret. So the Washington Post editorial board, which has been a pretty go lax on crime, racial disparities, oh, the poor bad guys. Uh, They've now got an op-ed from the editorial board, not from an individual op-ed writer, but from the editorial board, the voice of the paper, the conscience of the Washington Post. As carjacking spike, police need to be able to chase vehicles again. When a robber pointed a gun at Stephanie Traub's forehead and demanded her purse and car keys, she didn't know a U.S. congressman had been carjacked at gunpoint an hour earlier. While many were focused on Representative Henry Cuellar on October 2nd, a Monday night, Ms. Traub was driving home from a pinball league. She parked a block from her home about a mile east of the U.S. Capitol. She had never feared for her safety before, but something felt off when she exited her vehicle and heard another car door slam nearby. Then the gun was in her face. Ms. Traub handed over her belongings. The gunman ran to her car and sped away. She called 911 and D.C. police arrived swiftly. Ms. Traub had an Apple device in her 2008 Honda SUV that enabled her to track it. She sat on her front stoop with her laptop and three D.C. police officers looking over her shoulder as she watched the carjacker's location around the city. Aren't you going to go get him, Ms. Traub asked. We can't pursue, she recalls an officer saying. You should know last week in Washington, D.C., a teenager was shot and killed trying to carjack a federal security officer. That same 13-year-old boy last year as a 12-year-old boy was caught carjacking but was back out on the streets due to his age in Washington, D.C. The messenger has this. Police in Washington, D.C. have released a few tips for motorists in the wake of several recent carjackings, including one that claimed the life of a 13 year old boy. Notice, by the way, how the messenger writes that first paragraph. The 13 year old boy was the carjacker. You wouldn't know that. Absolutely absurd vigilance is the key to protecting yourself and your family while on the road dc police claim always lock the car doors and keep the windows rolled up drive in the center lane which complicates a carjacker's approach forcing them to dodge cars in the other lanes the police recommend driving with someone never alone especially at night when you're coming to a stop and leave enough room to maneuver around other cars to get away The department also cautions against stopping to help strangers having car troubles. The best thing to do is find the nearest phone and call the police who can help. Isn't that helpful? The chickens are coming home to roost in progressive policymaking. They'll never admit it. They'll want to treat the underlying problems. What is going on? Well, let me tell you what's going on here. Over the last several years, progressives got it in their head that because property owners have insurance for their property, property crimes are not really violence nor crimes. They're insurable events. Progressives decided that they could treat events involving property that was insured as if it wasn't a crime to abuse the property so you b- want to break into a store and steal everything well the store owners have insurance you want to you want to steal a car well the the car owner has insurance you're not causing violence to the person therefore there is no violence Then they started talking about racial disparities. Well, more black kids get arrested for carjackings than white kids. Therefore, there's a racial disparity. Never mind more black kids engage in carjackings than white kids. Then they decided, well, we got to treat the underlying problem. Why? Why? Why are these children carjacking people? We must treat the underlying problems, not the broken homes. No, 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 no. You you can't say moral judgment on that. Out of wedlock, baby. Nope, you can't. You can't talk about that. Dad's in jail. Well, yes, we'll talk about them being in jail, but but we won't talk about the dads abandoning the families and going to jail. No, you're, you're not allowed to talk about any of that stuff. Just the policy failures the left wants to talk about. God forbid we talk about the underlying collapse of the family, particularly in the black community. Nope, you're not allowed to talk about that because, one, you're white, and, two, shut up. And then they decided to save the children. It's always about saving the children told you all before I was on the city council and we we had a, a man on city council, Reverend Charles Jones, and everything was about the future for the children. He was an old southern preacher and we got to we got to do this for the children. We got to save the children. We got to we got to we got to fi- fi- fix our county and community for the children. We got to do everything for the children. We got to defund the police for the children because the police, they're abusing the children. We got to save the children. In the South, the D is silent. They decided to save the children. The police needed to stop pursuing the vehicles. After all, it was insured property. So why pursue? So carjackings skyrocketed. The police aren't going to pursue you. You're safe in the car. If you're a bad guy, this is how progressive policy works. In the name of saving the children, we're going to tell the police, don't police. And so the carjackers realize that the law now allows their safety so long as they're in the car driving. You hold a gun to someone's face and tell them your life or your car, and they give you the car, the moment you get in and drive away in progressive parts of the nation, you're You're safe. You, the bad guy, are safe because the police aren't allowed to pursue. In Atlanta, Keisha Crimeway Bottoms, the former mayor who went on to work for the Biden administration, sparked the crime wave after COVID. When she told the police, they couldn't chase either. You know what happened? You know what happened in Atlanta? Carjackings went up. Surprise! Not only did carjackings go up, but street racing at night went up. I got a buddy, he and his wife moved, their children were grown up, headed to college, so they downsized and they moved to a condo on Peachtree Street in Atlanta, Georgia. And his wife, they had had left the the comforts and quiet of of West Paces, a well-to-do area of nice big houses and big lawns and, and quiet neighborhoods off once you get off West Paces Ferry. That road itself is a nightmare, but behind it, Very quiet, very safe. They moved to a condo on Peachtree Street and were constantly woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning by drag racers down Peachtree Street because the mayor of Atlanta decided the police were not allowed to chase. So gangs would carjack cars and then race the cars down Peachtree Street, and the police could do nothing. Until the governor of the state of Georgia, got the state police to come into the city and they would do the car chases that the city police would not. And I think right now, even now in Atlanta, the city police are restricted in how they can pursue vehicles. Meanwhile, you go south of Atlanta, there's a county south of Atlanta, it's right north of me. In fact, if I if my house were about 150 more feet to the north, I would be in Monroe County. In Monroe County, Georgia, the, the county seat is called Forsyth, Georgia. Now, this is one of the weird things you've got to understand about Georgia. For those of you who know anything about the state, it's it's a very weird state where we have counties and cities that have the same names and they're never in the same location. So you have Forsyth County, Georgia, but Forsyth, Georgia is the county seat of Monroe County. You have Monroe, Georgia, but it's in a different part of the state. I'm in Bibb County, Georgia, and there's Bibb, Georgia, but Bibb, Georgia is not in Bibb. County, Georgia, Bibb County, Georgia's county seat is Macon, which is not in Macon County. Uh, Macon County is is near Douglas County, and Douglas County and Douglas, Georgia are in two separate states. It's the weirdest freaking thing. They ran out of names, clearly. But in Forsyth, Georgia, which is not Forsyth County, but Forsyth, Georgia, which is Monroe County, which is not Monroe, Georgia. The police love to chase. I have been on the interstate more than once and had police chases go past me. I mean, they will chase anybody for any reason whatsoever. They love it. They love it. But in the city of Atlanta, you're not allowed to do it. And in Washington, D.C., you're not allowed to do it. And in Portland, Oregon, you're not allowed to do it. And in San Francisco, California, you're not allowed to do it. And you know what? For Site, Georgia, as different from all those places. Besides, it's not a big metropolis. It's just, it's a town. It's a small city. But they don't have carjackings there because the police will hunt you down. But in Washington, D.C., and New York, and Chicago, and all the big progressive enclaves of America, the mayors have all decided it's a victimless crime because it's an insurable event. Therefore, the police should not police. Therefore, that's where the crime is going up. And so what's going up? The insurance rates. What happens with the insurance rates? It becomes a tax on the middle class and the poor who have to have insurance on their vehicles and increasingly can't afford it because the good progressives oftentimes uh, non-white black politicians who are catering to an African-American-based population that they've convinced want progressive democratic policies, those same black citizens and the poor and the middle class and the lower middle class are having their prices go through the roof for insurance because the progressive politicians, many times from those same communities, decided the police were targeting too many young black men so they would tell the police to cut it out. And surprise, what did the young black men, particularly those in gangs, do? Well, they started doing carjackings. By the way, for those of you who are outraged and claiming bringing race into this is offensive and how dare I, those are the numbers. That's the data. It shouldn't be about race. You're absolutely right. It should not be about race. But it is young black men in gangs who are disproportionately engaging in the carjackings. And it is young black men in the police department who are not allowed to pursue them. The guys who made the right choices in life and became members of law enforcement aren't allowed to pursue the guys who made the bad choices in life and joined the gangs. And it's the progressive politicians who've put them in a position to allow the gangbangers to get off easy the moment they get in the car and drive away. You can't pursue them. And now it's gotten so bad, the Washington Post editorial board, not exactly a conservative institution, is saying, please, please, District of Columbia, please allow car chases by police. But even then, they want all sorts of restrictions that make it meaningless. Here's the thing. You want to stop carjackings? You let the residents start gunning down the would-be carjackers, or you let the police chase the carjackers, and run them off the roads and cause wrecks, destroy the cars with gangbangers in them, and you're going to stop it. When you drive up the risk of carjacking to the carjacker because of jail or fiery car crash, when the police try to stop you, they stop carjacking. When you tell them the moment you get into the car and drive away, you will be unharmed, unfollowed, and unfazed, you drive up carjackings. So what do you want to do? The failures of progressive policies are predictable to everyone except the progressives who implement them. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I have become that guy. Full-size candy bars for Halloween. Really didn't want to do it. I mean, I thought at one point in my life it'd be kind of cool to be the, the family that does that, but they're kind of expensive. But I waited so long, I went to Walmart last night to buy bags of candy, and there was nothing but garbage. I mean, there were a few bags, don't get me wrong, but it was the bags of the candy that no kid wants, and I don't want my house toilet papered. So I went to Sam's Club, and I bought the, the full-size candy bars, the Three Musketeers and the Milky Ways and the Snickers and the Hershey bars and the Twixes, and the bags of Skittles and the bags of the Swedish Fish. And what else did I get? Um, lots of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So I'll give those out tonight, as I judge parents who allow their their toddlers to dress up as prostitutes. Hopefully, we haven't seen this big trend of whoring your child out for Halloween this year, which is good. The the I, I just so many years in a row now there have been the dress your toddler up as a prostitute looking Halloween costumes. It's just I I we we didn't even like decorate our house. I put a pumpkin on the front porch, and that's about it. I just I've kind of gotten tired of Halloween. Now that the kids don't trick or treat anymore, I've just gotten tired of it. It's it's just it, it's where all the, the, the heathens who don't celebrate Christmas go and ah, uh, nah, I'm um, I've just I've gotten over Halloween. We used to put up our big inflatable dragon and not anymore, not this year. Maybe next year, maybe when we have grandkids. But yeah, I'm ready for Christmas. The holiday, speaking of Christmas, means a lot of shipping and mailing. Doesn't mean more stress unless you put it on yourself, and one way to get rid of some of the stress is to use Stamps.com to ship packages because they can save you time and money. All you need is a computer and a printer. Manage orders on the go with the mobile app. Schedule package pickup. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Get huge carrier discounts. Up to 84% off post office UPS rates. Automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options. Get access to the post office and UPS services you need right from your computer or mobile device anytime, day or night. There's no lines, no traffic, no waiting. When you're running low on supplies, you can just order those from stamps.com. Over a million businesses use stamps.com. Mine has been one for 20 of their 25 years. They know what they're doing. Sign up today, click on the microphone, put in my name, Eric, as your special offer. You'll get four week trial free postage and a free digital scale. You've got no long term commitment, you have no contract to sign. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone. And put in E-R-I-C-K. My name, Eric. Start saving today. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. I I got to wade into a, a topic. Now, let me, well, hang on a You know, I guess I should pull up the call screening. I forgot to do that. I'm a professional, but there are some days where I just got so much to say. That y'all can, y'all can, yep, y'all can just wait. But 877-973-7425, if you want to queue up. I got I so I read a piece it occasionally, occasionally, occasionally. Occasionally you read something in the news, maybe more often than not these days, and you come away dumber than you went into it. And and this one is actually something that i um like really know about there's a writer adam gabbett he writes in the guardian he is a progressive writer and he has a piece at the guardian quote, the war is prophetically significant. Why U.S. evangelical Christians support Israel? If you read it, and I don't recommend that you do, if you read it, you will come away dumber than you went into it. It didn't take long for many evangelical Christian groups in America to show their support for Israel. Hours after Hamas attacked the country on the 7th of October, killing more than 1,400 people, Christians United for Israel, an evangelical lobbying group which claims to have more than 10 million members, posted a message on X, formerly known as Twitter. To the terrorists who have chosen this fight, hear this, what you do to Israel, God will do to you. Despite today's weeping, joy will come because God who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps, CUFI, whose founder believes the presence of Jews in Israel is a precursor to Jesus Christ returning to earth, wrote, Soon, an evangelical statement in support of Israel was issued by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, an arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, a denomination which has 45,000 churches in the United States. In the statement, 2,000 evangelical leaders, not all were named, said they fully support Israel's right and duty to defend itself against further attack. Little credence was given to the Palestinians who would soon find themselves under attack. More than 8,000 people in Gaza have now been killed by Israeli bombardments, according to Gaza's health ministry, which is run by Hamas which the author doesn't report. While our theological perspectives on Israel and the church may vary, we are united in calling attacks against Jewish people, especially troubling, as they've often been targeted by their neighbors since God called them as his people in the days of Abraham. In keeping with Christian just war tradition, We also affirm the legitimacy of Israel's right to respond against those who have initiated these attacks as Romans 13 grants governments the power to bear the sword against those who commit such evil acts against innocent life. There were more than 90 named signatories. Only four were women. They include the current president and eight former presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention, among other influential evangelicals. Y'all know what? I was one of the initial signatories. I was asked to put my name on the letter. It's true. I'm in some circles considered an influential evangelical. There I am, surrounded with all of these. You got J.D. Greer. You got Ed Luton, uh, Fred Luter, James Merritt, Bryant Wright. Right, Right from the heart he is. God bless that man. And there I am, Eric Erickson, host of The Eric Erickson Show, right above Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, beneath Leo Endel, the executive director of the Minnesota-Wisconsin Baptist Convention. There I am. My name is on the letter, one of the original signatories. Now, if you read the column by the idiot at The Guardian trying to explain evangelicals what you'll come away with is we wrote this letter because we believe this is a sign of the end times and, and we want Israel to come out fighting and Jesus will come back. Jesus will appear in the air with his sword and we will all be raptured into heaven, arising and leaving the earth before the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. I don't even believe in the rapture, people. (gasps) I know, I'm reformed. John Calvin's my friend. I'm not a dispensationalist. This is the problem. You have a guy who is willing to write Hamas propaganda, talking about Gaza's health ministry. And oh, those 2,000 evangelical junk leaders, they didn't care about the poor Palestinians who were about to die. No, we cared about the 1,400 Israeli citizens who had their heads chopped off, were raped and baked in ovens by Hamas. And how Israel has a right to respond. And you, idiot, are trying to explain. You despise evangelical Christians, it's obvious. And you're trying to explain it to your audience. And if you read this story, you would come away more profoundly stupid than when you went into it. Because the guy completely has no concept of what is actually happening. It is true. There are some Christian denominations that believe that one of the prophecies of the end times is the restoration of Israel. There are there are groups of Christians who believe the Old and New Testament are completely separate things. And that all of God's promises to the Old Testament people of Israel will be kept. And all of those in the New Testament will be kept. And some merge together and some don't. There are Christians who believe Israel still has a special place in in God's providence and plan. And there are Christians, and I'm in this camp, who believe the church replaces Israel. And when the New Testament is referencing God's kingdom, it's referencing the church and Christians, not Israel the nation. Predominantly... The people who signed this letter, contrary to what you might read in The Guardian, predominantly the people who signed this letter, the evangelical leaders who signed this letter, did so because an American ally that has had historic persecution against it was monstrously attacked killing one-tenth of one percent of all the Jews on planet Earth in a single day. The worst attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. And we wanted them to know not only do we have their back, but we want the American government led by Joe Biden to have their back and allow them self-defense. And we want to note for the record that the just war tradition Christians adhere to allows a retaliatory response to wipe out Hamas. By the way, if you want to read the statement, all you got to do is text DATA to 33777. I'll send you back a link to the show notes. It's in there. Now, there's a um, Gell-Man, what is it? The gell theory. Michael Crichton, the author of Jurassic Park, he had a friend, Barty Gell-Mann. Barty gell was a uh, quantum theorist and particle physicist. Gell-Mann had a conversation with Michael Crichton one day, and he was outraged. He was outraged because he read a story on the front page of the New York Times about a massive new scientific discovery that gell Mann himself had been involved in discovering. And the reporter got everything wrong. And Barty gell Mann was furious that the New York Times on its front page, not its editorialists, but its reporters, would report on the scientific discovery and get the very basics of it wrong, misleading all of their readers. In the process of his conversation with Michael Crichton, Crichton says, what else is going on? And, and gell asks him, had he read that article in the New York Times about the, the Israel-Palestinian peace negotiations? This was back in the 90s. And Crichton thought to himself at the time, this is why he calls it the gell hypothesis, says, Barty was smart enough to know that everything he read about the physics discovery was wrong, so therefore should have been smart enough to know that what he read about the Israeli-Palestinian situation was probably wrong, but because it's not in his wheelhouse, he relied on the expertise of those reporters, while he didn't rely on the expertise of the other reporters. And the moral of the story is the papers oftentimes get everything wrong because they're idiots, but you rely on them for their expertise because you know no better. It's the same thing with this piece in The Guardian, which is tries very hard to lump all Christians into some dispensationalist mindset, of which I'm not, I'm Reformed, and then claim that all of those people, they're waiting for the second coming and the rapture and the return of Jesus, and so Israel needs to fight this war to bring about the apocalypse so that Christ will come back and his kingdom will reign for his thousand years. i it, it, It's absurd that this is the coverage and what I find really notable is really the lack of people willing to be interviewed by this guy. And it's, it's by the way, it's, it's not that no one's willing to be interviewed. It's that I don't think he bothered to reach out and ask any of them. In fact, he cites other people's interviews with other people. It is true, it is a fact that there are some evangelical Christians in the United States of America who support Israel because they believe Israel itself, the nation, physically has a, a special prophetic role to play in bringing about the, the second coming of Christ. But most Christians— Catholics, Orthodox, and Evangelical Christians, most Protestants, they don't view it that way. They believe the church is the successor state of Israel in the Bible and that the Israelis are are not the people of God at this point. It's the Christians. However, they also believe Israel is a special place and that it's the only democracy in the Middle East filled with wonderful people who have had a horrible history of persecution at the hands of Christians and Nazis alike. And so we should support the people who have been treated so badly with anti-Semitism run amok on the planet, regardless of whether or not supporting them brings about the second coming. But the media would have you believe the only reasons evangelicals support Israel is to bring about the second coming. There's a deep anti christian bigotry in some portions of anti-semitism it's very interesting you see when you find a lot of anti-semites on the left they also they they don't like christians either because i do believe this well i think that the church replaces israel in the schemes of the bible and in the plans of, of faith of the bible i think the jewish people were god's chosen people and the Bible, the New Testament and the Old are very clear that the things of God will be hated by the things of the world. And so it's, it's, I think, just theologically true that the Jewish people and Christians together are hated uh, by the things of the world because they are people grounded in that faith. But to extrapolate in times eschatology and dispensationalism from a letter written by evangelical Christians of which I was a part of the framing of the letter, and to apply that and mean we support Israel to bring about the apocalypse, if you believe this guy, you are stupider for having read the article and taken his word than if you had never read the article at all. He could have picked up the phone and called any one of us who signed the letter and we would have set him straight. But instead, he chose to nurse a hateful fantasy of the left that is interwoven between anti Christianity and anti-Semitism, all to placate his leader his readership, which believes that the Gaza Health Ministry is somehow an honest and truthful organization. It's just another reminder of how much of the media these days actually is a trash, um, just just trash. The institutions of the left, they're just trash in the media. You can't believe any of them, and yet. We have to recover the news that so often they report, which is why I spend so much time reading other sources to try to figure out what the heck is going on anymore because you can't really get it from the New York Times by itself or anywhere else on the left. Now, I got to tell you, you can't even get a good deal on a computer these days unless you rely on someone like Vision Computers because you can go to a big box store. But if you go to the big box store, they're going to give you a generic one size fits all computer that might not be right for you. You may want a higher GPU, a better GPU. You may want more memory. You may want a better CPU and you're going to have to try to tweak it. But there are limits by which you can tweak it from the big box store. You can go to Vision Computers, and they'll build you a laptop or a desktop that's right for you, that fits you, that grows with you, that is upgradable by you, and that can you can keep around instead of having to get a new one in a couple years when it becomes outmoded. Vision Computers will service it as well. You get a phone number. You can call them. They'll answer in less than 15 seconds. You can get answers about what's going on with your computer and figure out how to use it faster than a Google search. They're that good. They can do this for your business as well, saving your business money, where they build all the laptops and desktops for your business, and then they're the IT department for your whole business. So you don't have to have a standalone IT guy. Instead of paying an $80,000, $90,000 a year salary to one IT guy, you're using Vision Computers. And they're your IT department. Your staff can call them, your secretary can call them, the assistants who have computers can call them, get printer support, email support, antiviral support, whatever they need. Vision Computer can help. They can save you money, and you have a long-time relationship with them. VisionComputers.com is where you go. VisionComputers.com or call them at 404-COMPUTE. If you call them at 404-COMPUTE anywhere nationwide, tell them you want the Eric Erickson special, you can save even more money. 404-COMPUTE, VisionComputers.com. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are in the United States of America, First Liberty can help your business grow. If you're buying a and building, building a and building, buying a franchise, expanding a franchise, Reach out to First Liberty. If you need access to capital and banks are giving you a hard time, this is the environment in which First Liberty thrives. They've been doing this since the 90s. The Frost family, good people, good, solid Christian family have been helping businesses grow. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. Should you wish to uh, reach out to them. I've been a fan of the website Half-Baked Harvest for some while. Uh Tegan Gerard is the writer. She started this when she was real young. She wasn't even really a cook. Um, in 2012, when she was a teen, she started taking pictures of, of the food. She liked to take the pictures. Then she started working on the recipes, and she just churns out just a ton of recipes. A lot of them I like, some of them I don't. She's got a massive following on social media. This is one of the most bizarre things I have ever read in that she allowed the New York Times to a profile of her, and they spend all this time on grievances from other people. She has lived where she lives since she's 14. Her mother runs the business side of Half-Baked Harvest. She doesn't drive. She hasn't traveled outside North America except to watch her brother, the Olympic snowboarder, Red Gerard, win a gold medal in the 2018 uh, Olympic Games in South Korea, and her recipes are still essential cooking. However, Ms. Gerard, who is white, has long been called out for mispronouncing dishes from other cultures and misidentifying her creations, like calling tacos with pineapple Hawaiian and noodles with honey and peanut butter Chinese. But the objections have intensified when she posted a recipe for pho that was wildly unrelated to the Vietnamese dish. She apologized and promised to do more research, but it happened again in March. Just this month, she published a Thai beef stew sweetened with pomegranate juice, an ingredient traditional in Middle Eastern cooking. Detractors say she's culturally insensitive. Who cares? Shut up, people. You spoiled, entitled little brat. She has turned out a recipe a day for you people to cook. If you don't like it, you don't have to read her stuff. But this whining and bellyaching in the New York Times, it's just a bunch of stupid people with nothing better to do while she's got her hands full cooking.